Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Around the Coin. This beautiful music presented to you is created by none other than Brian, live on the mic. Uh, We're really excited, we have a great lineup of topics today. We just had a fantastic pre-show conversation, uh, and it's been a while, so we're all really excited. Brian, Faisal, myself, Mike here, uh, to dive into another episode. Faisal, how are you feeling? I'm doing good. Yourself? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Brian. Good morning. Thank you very much. So, Brian, so Brian, how, how, Brian how about another 30 seconds of something nice? Uh, let's see. Uh, next time I'll I'll pull out something amazing. I was on piano mode there, so I get a little moody piece on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Things are going good for me today. Uh, we're a month and three days into PayFinders and uh, still in the top 200 at the App Store in my category, uh, actually in the top 100 generally. I am beyond, uh, gee, I'm, I'm beyond speechless. Uh, every day I have thousands and thousands of users, reviews coming in, uh, merchant reviews, which I thought would be maybe less than a half a percent of users. We're now at 19.5% users review just about all of the transactions that they get through PayFinders. And my big news today is I turned on a beta test for uh, mobile merchants to be able to be listed on PayFinders. I've got about 30 around the country. And I turned it on last night. And this morning at around um, 6 a.m. California time, a mobile coffee operation in New York got their first transaction specifically from PayFinders. And I'm just, I don't know. It was a big impact on me. It was one of my dreams when I put this app together was to uh, map mobile merchants because it's a really tough problem to solve. And hopefully so we'll essentially solve it. someone went to this merchant because of your app? They, they found yeah, merchant on there? Absolutely. The- absolutely. And, and I could tell you, uh, although this is all anonymous data, I don't get to know who did what. Uh, and I've done that on purpose, triple uh, encryption. I can't even view it and then it's uh, purged. Anyway, uh, we now have been able to track just under 18,000 visits specifically because of PayFinders, meaning they looked at it, they searched it out, and they specifically went to that merchant within what I believe is an accurate time span of about six hours. So within six hours of that search, they visit that merchant. I don't track it after that. So it, theoretically, it could be leaving a whole lot in the cutting room floor, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm still brings the hairs up the back of my neck. Oh, I'm one monthly year old. I'm already 
Plus, you have to believe if people are using the app, then there's going to be people finding merchants through it. You know, you, you're probably not going to know uh, nearly the extent to which people find merchants through your app and then use it. So if people exactly. are opening the app, you know, you kind of have to believe that they're going to these places. Well, I have location, uh, geofencing, location-based stuff going on. So I, I, I'm in a very fortunate situation in a lot of uh, commerce-based apps where I can actually tell this stuff. I can to see a bump. So if somebody did a search, they click on it, they favor it, or they do something, then they go to the merch, and then they do a rating. Now I have three uh, volitions that I can that I can track, and it's uh, uh, extremely important. Now, again, I don't track that individually, and nor will I ever. You will never see me selling uh, my customers' data uh, because they visited a merchant, because I, I purge it. I will never know it. And uh, I will never allow that as long as I'm operating this. Very Apple, Apple-like mentality. Well, I you like know, that. I had a board meeting with myself. <laughs> I'm a one-man company. Uh, no, I, it, seriously, I sat down and I said, there's no way I want to be in that world. Uh, and um, that cuts off a whole lot of uh, monetization. I don't care. I don't care. I just want to be of utility and then this is the way we're going to do it. That's awesome. Keep keeping on, man. That's exciting. How about you, stuff. Mike? What's going on in uh, uh, Home Hero world? Home Hero, we're just heads down, growing uh, as quickly as we can. Moved into a beautiful, beautiful new office on on Second Street in Arizona, Second Street in Arizona, in oh Santa Monica. I love that. Uh, you got great views over there too. Yeah, it's it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're just really excited to get into the new year. Uh, excited to take a little break here around the holidays and kind of you know rehash what we've done over the last year. It's been a big year for us. So we're going to come out of the gate uh, strong in January and, uh, you know, hopefully get into many new markets and expand what we currently yeah, can have. We, can you tease us with a few new markets, please? Where are you uh, going? Oh, man, as much as I would love to. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I have to pull up Brian here. Florida, pull up Florida. Florida. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, I can't, uh, can't, can't discuss that at this so, juncture. So I, I would say definitely Miami if I had to wager a guess. But that Mike wants to be on the west side, so who knows? So San Francisco. You guys are not in San um, Francisco, Mike. Uh, well, yeah, you haven't done San Francisco yet, so that, that's a good move. We are, we are in the Bay Area. We, oh, you are? San Francisco, yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, uh, fully? But when did this fully, happen? Yeah. yeah, this is about uh, a few months ago. We, we launched in the Bay See? Area. You did it under my... Uh, yeah. Under the radar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, in a, in, a, in a personal note, we were discussing pre-show. Uh, I tried the isolation chamber uh, oh, yesterday, yes. and it was just such a fascinating experience. This is basically uh, a completely um, dark, uh, completely silent room that you, you go into for two hours. and you, All you, senses you, are voided, All right? senses are void. Like you said before, it's basically like you're floating in a zero-gravity environment. You're on this magnesium sulfide solution, and you're floating, and it's just so buoyant. It pushes you right up to the surface, uh, and you just get lost in your mind. And uh, you know, for two hours, you just experience this. And I've never done anything like it. It, it really is... Uh, it really is. Give us one revelation. You had to have one revelation, and it doesn't have to be impactful. But uh, yeah, one one thing that came into mind was 
uh, the 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 awareness of the subconscious. So you know you have you have conscious thoughts as we all speak and listen, uh, but then there's this kind of unconscious chattering. And in an environment where there's no sensory input at all, no lights, no sounds, no nothing, uh, your subconscious voice becomes really loud, and you can start to really yeah. hear the things that it's saying. Uh, so th- that just just witnessing that or just being a part of that was was really interesting. Um, now, Mike. Did- User illusion give you any uh, any color to this experience? Did you start thinking about what you're really thinking and who's really thinking for you? And are you thinking what you're thinking for? Totally. And you know, I have to thank you, Brian, for recommending that book. Uh, it's a fantastic book, thank User you. Illusion, and it's really a gateway drug in a sense of to opening your mind to the possibilities of uh, non default world interpretations. You know, you normally, when you're you're born and you live, you assume things are just the way they are. Uh, But when you think about all the things the book discusses, how they essentially stitch through your consciousness and, uh, you know, the lapse or the delay, it's all really fascinating points. Um, You know, and and a lot of those did come up. You you definitely go down that road. You know, I find myself over the years, because I, I bought the book the day it came out. I, I kind of knew some of the people that were in the book, um, indirectly and directly. And uh, I knew that Tor was working on this. It was like a five-year project for him to decode all this rich science. I mean, it's a compendium. Mm, exactly what it is, decoding the most it. Cutting, yeah, it's a compendium, the most cutting-edge scientific research. And it's from the 90s, right? And Still today, I sit down with founders and I, I talk to them. The first thing I tell anybody, read this book and understand volition. Understand what's driving you. Understand what's really motivating you. And the three of us could probably go around the Bay Area with startups and really around the world. Because I think people who are leading edge, people who have to think quickly, most definitely need to know about this new technology. And uh, the Ion Chamber, and ladies and gentlemen, maybe both uh uh the uh mag- magnesium sulfate is very good for your skin so get into those yeah. isolation chambers. <laughs> definitely something to try uh you know i would say if, if it's anyone who's who, who experiences a lot of uh kind of mo- uh, mental chatter or has a difficult time meditating this is a good uh a good thing to just put your mind through so yeah it was fascinating uh faisal you just faisal, went on a fa- on? fantastic trip a journey uh, uh, it was business slash vacation um, I've been I've been up on it, but but where have you gone? Tell me. Tell I us went about this. to Istanbul, a beautiful city. It's a make perfect mix of east and west, the old and new. Uh, the conference was was for about for three days, but I took my wife. And what along. was the name of the conference? Uh, it is the Mobile Money and Digital Payments Conference that happens every year over there. But this was the last year it was happening because it's been happening for nine years, and now it's going to become yeah. Pay Expo from next year. So it's going to be an expo from next year. Uh, but three days over there, took my wife along and made it a like a almost nine day trip. Uh, had a great wow. time. Yeah, had a great time exploring the city. Uh, beautiful city. Went to startup, uh, you know, uh, co working spaces, startup hubs. Uh, looked around, saw the technology, saw how payments were being done, and basically enjoyed both. You know, so was I was not only just attending the conference, but I was looking at it from a behavioral point of view, how payments are done, how people are banking, how people are using their cards and so forth. So picked up a lot of uh, intelligence from there. It was a 
was great meeting, uh, you know, an amalgamation of people coming from all parts of the world and, you know, sharing, uh, having, you know, water cooler chats with them and, you know, discussing how they're doing things and how they view. Anything new in payments that uh, well, it's, were it's, under the it, So the, the walk away was just two things, adding value. It was always about oh, yeah. adding value. He says, you know, he says, uh, the, one of the things I learned from the conference was uh, and something I subscribed very heavily to. He says, you think you have a good payment analogy or a pay- payment solution? I want you to close your eyes, take the technology portion out, and take your pricing competitive advantage out. What do you have now? Oh, my God. Hmm. Simple. He you says, have fear in a lot of companies. He says technology, <laughs> technology is just a temporary product it could even be a byproduct and that's it it's not it's a an temporary advantage, advantage. It, it's a, it's ver- a temporary it's a very advantage. temporary advantage and pricing he says well there's always someone who's going to be an asshole and going to you know lower the price and beat you at it what are you going to do then uh, revise your excel spreadsheet you know <clears throat> so he says take those two things out what do you have what can you now give me your secret sauce can you now say you know very very in a, in a very compelling way it's almost like the you know the pepsi test that they used to have a couple of years ago well maybe a decade or so yeah you know so it's one what of those, the pepsi challenge you know oh yes so it's one of those things right so if you really have a good product people will come and buy it but if you say well you know it's my thing is based on the latest version so what, were, what were some examples of or categories of, of things that separated one company from another was it a network of users was it uh, some sort of infrastructure built. Uh, so it was always, always. Uh, it it almost came down and hinged on the on the basic elementary aspect of ground research. Find the problem. Don't take a solution running in search of a problem. Find the problem and then see if it if it is worth uh, investing into. Because sometimes a problem may just be your problem. It may not be a universal problem. It may not be a scalable problem. It may just be a very regional you know, problem, you know? You know, I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but I also agree that uh, we're on a journey, and sometimes you need to make these intermediate products. Uh, certainly, you don't want to go crazy and, and maybe pull a clinkle or something like that. Uh, you, you want to, and I mean that in the nicest way. Um, you know, you want to try some of these smaller problems sometimes, and especially with younger people. I, 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 I really am challenged because to say I'm not solving something big, and I go, you know, if you can solve a little part of the world, you don't have to change the universe with the first thing no, no, that you that's make. That's okay. That's okay. But you know, there's yeah. a, there's a big dichotomy of, or rather a divide over there. Is now yeah. you're seeing a lot of. There's a lot of influence on the Silicon Valley model being replicated. You know, hey, we'll take incubates, we'll have an accelerator program, we'll do a times 20 sort of an investment and, uh, you know, a, 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 an exit, etc. And then there are guys on the other side of the fence who say, no, you know, build a product that will last. Don't just do it for the next, you know, two years or three years. Yeah, so I see lot, that. There's okay. a lot of that. But but there are so many problems. Even in the, He says, you know, we, we are taking our our individual islands and making them so tech savvy yet when we ask the very basic question are the two islands connected via a bridge the answer is no we're still using a rowboat you know uh, why aren't we building uh, bridges between our various payment systems? Why why aren't payments as fluid and natural as email, or or, or you know? So th- there's a lot of broken down systems. You know, we are investing more on our little 
islands, if you will, and our little buildings and our little skyscrapers and everything. I love else. that analogy. But mm-hmm. but but the but the overall fabric when you zoom out, you see that it's a very disjointed system. A plane that can take off from one payment system cannot land on the other island because there's no runway. You know, so what do you do? <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so th- he says, you know, uh, there was there was a lot of talk on saying, you know, stop, zoom out, and get the bigger picture. Get the bigger picture and then see where, what are you doing? Are you just doing something that is just going to be, um, I mean, it, it's, it's fine to make a good product, you know, that's going to advance society and so forth and, you know, going to use the mobile networks and the mobile phone and digital payments and so forth. But are you, have you looked at the possible opportunities at perhaps building bridges? building high-speed connects between various and disparate payment systems and banking systems and so forth. Have you taken some basic behavioral you know, uh, elements and juxtaposed them onto a piece of code that would make something just go be better if it's done digitally, electronically, make it more efficient and so forth, and perhaps even draw Absolutely. a profit from it, you know? Do you think that, that that point's really being driven home by the power brokers that were at this conference? Do you think they're really taking this serious? I think those guys are very serious, but obviously, you know, there are, a as with any conference, there are many people who sponsor the conference, and they are all vendors, you know? So someone says, hey, sure. you know, this is my, my payment switch, this is my payment wallet, etc. And those are the kind There's of guys... There's my new island, e- come and join me. <laughs> exactly. So those are the kind mm. of guys who are the classical definition of a solution uh, a solution in search of a problem you know yeah and what they're hoping is that one of the attendees is their problem and then they can pitch that product to them but that was the uh, you know that's one of the challenges that uh, people ask me why i'm not always at all these trade shows and i did that for two decades and i still go to some uh and uh now hopefully i'm inviting to do being invited to do more but um as as a an attendee a lot of times because they're so skewed to the vendors that are at the show and all the conferences and side uh, panels etc that sometimes you just feel like you're locked into a uh paradigm prison you know of how these people see the world Especially in the payments industry, you know, uh, especially in the banking section of the payment industry specifically, it's almost like other things don't exist, which I truly understand why it frustrates people in the Bay Area, Silicon Valley and startup communities because, and Mike, you know this from going to a lot of payment conferences, they're ridiculous. They're just... Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I found like, was, one thing I found very interesting was that everyone was very cognizant that what works in Silicon Valley or London or Singapore or Australia may not work in our part of the world. That was one. So let, let's just stop doing a 100% replica of, you know, the Venmo model or the Starbucks model, you know, etc. Yeah. So that was one. For example, in Turkey, I was buying, you know, I'm, I'm a sucker for stationery, so I always go buy these Moleskine books and so forth. And oh, I when, I, when I was checking out, I was just seeing behind the counter this lady had these bunch of you know cards prepaid cards and all of them were paypal and i said whoa hold on how come you're wow. selling, how come you're hmm. selling paypal wow. cards oh, she, and she looked at me you know there was a barrier obviously she spoke turkish i spoke english but anyways so i just bought one card so it was a paypal prepaid mastercard i believe it is a PayPal card that you can load anywhere in Turkey. It's just a basically a prepaid card. It just happens to be powered by PayPal. Didn't know that. 
That's interesting. See, yeah. little things like that. So it's just like going getting a green card or uh, you know a, a green dot card or a vanilla card in the U.S., but just happens to be a PayPal. It's his branded card. PayPal. Yeah, that's I a mean, great it was, branding. It was just so cool. So I got to ask since you brought, since you brought it up, fountain pen or roller uh, ball pen? No, so this, it, um, it, it, no, so I don't. Fountain I pen. Say fountain pen, man. I Come would on, love to. School. I would love to, but you know, I had a I had a. A leak once on a plane and it just ruined everything. So <laughs> I'm not. Well, no, 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 I know. No, no. Never have a leak on a plane. I'm telling you. No. <laughs> it's moleskin. He said he pronounces it moleskin instead of uh, moleskin. Moleskin. Uh, moleskin is a pr- the, the, the I, I correct like, pronunciation. Moleskin is the American or the English version of it. But if you go to Italy, they'll say moleskin. Yeah, it exists. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I'm a I'm a fountain pen fanatic. Uh, I'll let you guys into a little uh, thing of mine, and uh, something about cobalt blue ink just oh, freaks that's a beautiful me out. Ink. It's a beautiful ink. It is just amazing. I I try to sign the most important documents that way, but it doesn't always work. <laughs> and they're and they're probably all electronic signature now. Email attached. Yeah, I know, but I, I will paint them cobalt if I can. <laughs> so speaking of payments, let's talk about our first topic. Oh, the payments? largest That's retailer in the world, Walmart, is which is also part of the MCX consortium. Oh my gosh! Has now entered and come out with Walmart Pay. Wal, Walmart Pay. I, I I don't even know if if they're going to call it Wall Pay, but I think it's just going to be Walmart Pay. So <laughs> it's having, Walmart Pay. Okay, so Walmart Little Pay. Star in the middle. Walmart Pay comes out. It's an app. Uh, they already claim to have a couple of million users, I believe. I'm not sure. I, I think the Walmart, uh, the Walmart I, users, uh, the app users will automatically get Walmart Pay. You what, automatically, you, you what automatically do you, get it. What yeah. do you think about it in light of Samsung Pay, Apple Pay, and every other pay that you can think of? Well, you know, I don't think other than some of the major Apple Pay announcements, something has generated so much back channel chatter than this Walmart pay. It caught people by surprise. Walmart released it at midnight East Coast time a couple of days ago. It woke up a lot of reporters that were sleeping, contacting (laughs) me. I got people calling, Brian, one o'clock in the morning in California, Brian, I need a deep insight on this. I'm like, all right. So I really got very little sleep. Uh, 29 calls I took, uh, the latest I've ever taken calls uh, on this. So thank you, Walmart, for keeping me up. (laughs) All right, so in the midst of my uh, dazed uh, confusion of this, I kind of knew it was coming anyway, and i, I got to say I kind of tested it. But anyway, here's what I believe Walmart Pay is and what it really isn't. All right, what is Walmart Pay? There are 40 million average customers at Walmart that do not have bank accounts. They have zero bank accounts. They're unbanked, unbankable, or whatever you want to call them, how you want to classify it. Walmart uh, does reach out to this audience pretty aggressively, and their prepaid services are actually a de facto banking system for these individuals. Walmart hit very hard on this. And part of the thinking process of this is to extend that community into electronic payments within the Walmart um, uh, ecosystem. Now, if that is mildly successful, which I absolutely believe it will be reasonably successful, not an incredible success, even to outside Silicon Valley standards, but within Walmart standards, it will be at least reasonably successful. Um, it will be extended to other merchants that are not Walmart companies. And I uh, am predicting a fuel dealer or gas station 
and uh, a quick service restaurant chain to adopt Walmart Pay as one of its payment mechanisms. Is, is, that, is that the strategy? Is Walmart looking at this as a revenue generator or just to increase the revenue at their existing 4,600 stores? It is designed to uh, sell people on electronic payments within Walmart, and it will be successful at doing that. It is designed for people to download the app more. Uh, a lot of the unbanked were not using the Walmart app because they saw no reason for it. The new Walmart app will allow reloads and all sorts of things to take place. And so this is that sort of play. Most of the Silicon Valley in the middle of the night didn't see this. And ah, yeah, QR codes, reverse Starbucks. So let's talk about the technology, all right? Instead of the Starbucks system, because it's based on optics, and of course it's going to be compared to Starbucks, but let's be frank, Starbucks did not invent this idea. It's ancient. It actually uh, was around in the 1980s to a certain extent for payments. But let's fast forward to Starbucks because it's a reasonable uh, milestone. You hold your phone that displays an image on the screen up to a an advanced uh, laser-based scanner that can read pretty much any resolution on any phone, even with a great deal of grease and, in some cases, makeup and other stuff on it. <laughs> it can read, you know, if I'm my wife. Um, anyway, um, it's a pet peeve of mine because I like pristine screens, and in this world, you can't get it anymore. But you hold it up, and the scanner does its job, and it was a big technological challenge at the epoch this was developed to get the right scanners at just the right angles to read these screens. So where are we today? Fast forward, much better optics and incredible algorithms that uh, are used to discern whether or not we're staring at a QR code or some random you know, uh, block on uh, somewhere. So Walmart's using that technology, same technology that a lot of QR code systems has, but it's optimized. So the user is, that is inside the app is activating the camera of the smartphone, Android or iOS, and it's reading that QR code. When it reads that QR code, it's telling the app that Bill Jones is doing a scan. And that barcode is giving essentially a serial number of that transaction, and it zeroes it out. So it's a, quite a, a simple technology, but it's powerful and profound in the, and the way it was implemented. Not to mention, it's tied into the uh, the green dot. Uh, you know the partnership that they have with the Green Dot, the Absolutely. Walmart Money Card. Because if you Which, actually if you actually search for it, Walmart only has about four or five money transmitter licenses. But their association with Green Dot and the Green Dot Bank is what they're using on the back end to. Absolutely, Faisal, you're right on right on the money there, uh, money. But the big thing is, I've always said this. I don't know why Walmart did not acquire a Green Dot. It to me, the payment is so integral to every commerce company. I mean, essentially yeah, that's, Amazon... That's a great question Amazon. because Green Dot is one of those few companies that actually has money transmitter licenses for all Everywhere. the... Everywhere. For all the thing and also has a bank. Yes. It, it's, it's, it's an amazing company. I don't want to go down that road too far, but I, I, I stand in just utter confusion. And I've made the case uh, for a couple of years 
why and green dots highly uh, devalued when you consider the multiples you could get in a Silicon Valley uh, for this type of platform for payments. And anyway, I, I say the same thing. But I but I but I you know I, I always go back to the question that if Walmart were to get themselves a license, a banking license, and by the way, I think Walmart already has a bank in Canada. They have a Walmart Financial Services Bank in Canada. But anyway, yeah, financial services. Yeah, but if they if they were to get a U.S. banking license, if they were to get the you know the money transmitter licenses in all the states, their association with Green Dot is pretty much over. You know, so Green Dot's basic mm. line for well, support and breathing line is, is is Walmart. Yeah, the thing is, why do that when you have Green Dot? So that's my thing on it. But from the from the optics, looking through the glasses of Silicon Valley that night, uh, we were in. A, I was in a lot of tweets, and people were, you know, sort of casting um, their aspersions towards this. And, you know, Walmart deserves it to a certain level. There's a, a, a mildly large disconnect between the tech world and Walmart, maybe a better connection between Target and the tech world. So I, what I tried to say very nicely is Walmart pay was not designed for you and me because we're not unbanked. Generally, if you're on Twitter uh, talking about payments at you know one, one in the morning, uh, East Coast time, you're probably not the target audience for Walmart Pay. And they just couldn't see that. Now I think it's starting to make sense. So Walmart Pay is not a kick against Apple or Android Pay. They will accept NFC at Walmart stores at some point. There's no doubt. I'm predicting uh, mid-2016. Uh, and uh, they will happily do it. Uh, but what this is, is an existential threat against MCX and currency. Walmart was a leader of building merchant cash uh, exchange, and uh, they have abandoned it at 12 midnight a few days ago. And I can tell you, I know some people within that organization that were horrified and shocked. Some of the calls I took were people who were high-level executives saying, you know, Brian, we haven't talked in a couple of years, but what do you think? And I go, what I think is uh, you are feeling what it feels like to be run over by a bus. You were tossed. Uh, <laughs> so, Brian, how does the uh, M- uh, MCX currency, I mean, the merchant customer exchange, which is essentially the platform <laughs> built for these major retailers, CVS, Target, Walmart, 7-Eleven, uh, you know, is this, is this officially the nail in the coffin for the... Exactly. For the, exactly. Yeah. I mean, how else can you read it? All right. But... Am, am I predicting MCX to die? No. What I'm saying is Target and Walmart, the leaders of that organization, essentially, uh, you know, they are not friends. They're not even frenemies. They are really competing extremely aggressively against each other. Um, Target, I'm certain, is not extremely happy over this. Whether or not they, quote unquote, knew about it or didn't know about it, it is irrelevant from our perspective as outsiders. It is horrific it is horrific so do i think currency is going to go on yes it's now a part of chase pay and chase pay it's getting sort of inversive and uh and really interconnected how chase pay and currency and mm. walmart pay and, and all this stuff it, it is also becoming confusion to the con- uh to the consumer because we have all these pays yeah and i know the uniformity but, but, you know there. i want to i want to interject here and say there's one thing as an outsider and i can very easily notice this is samsung pay uh apple pay can be global payment solutions walmart pay can no doubt be. Well, it could, it could, but it it would be different in some of the markets. You know, well, they'd have to make their phone, 
right? I mean, that's that's what what that's what the two companies Faisal just mentioned have is they own the platform to facilitate the transfer. Well, I mean, of course, I, but, I have but, a Apple phone, I have a Samsung phone. I if they were to turn on in my markets, fingers crossed here, you know, I would go be the first one to go in the line and sign up for it. But Walmart is not coming here, and Walmart Pay pretty much is a Walmart. No, Walmart. Product, you know? If you don't have a Walmart store in your yeah, region, so, there's no so way there you go, that you're right? going to have Walmart. Pay. It's so, not scalable beyond yeah. that. But let's look but at I it agree. from, from it, this. It, it is. It is catering more towards the market of the unbanked to semi-unbanked that are hanging around around the Walmart stores. Yes, gentlemen. Let, let me tell you. I, I, I'll share some of this. I can't share all of it. In, in 2011, I spent two weeks visiting every payment startup that was available at that particular moment and 16 VCs. And I said, if somebody doesn't get their freaking act together, retailers will create their own payment solution right now. And about six weeks later, Merchant Customer Exchange was formed. And I'll tell you why it was formed. The participants in that organization tried to contact payment startups in the height of the, you know, remember we had payment disruption, right? In the height of payment disruption, these retailers came hat in hand. I can, you can guess the companies. I'm not going to name them. And they would not take the freaking phone calls. They would not sit down with them. They thought it was boring. They were going to change the world and disrupt even the retailers. So they didn't have the time for them. So what they did is the tech community as a whole, because of its utter arrogance, funneled this energy into what became MCX. Now, they might have a big yawn and I don't care in 2015, but the reality is a trend which they just don't see that they created. And what I mean by they, the, 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 the mind share that was operating in 2011 in payments created this. I'll tell you what they created. Apple Pay formed by who? A retailer. Starbucks, Starbucks payment system formed by who? A retailer. MCX formed by who? Retailers. Walmart formed by who? A retailer. Do we see a trend here? Yes, the trend is retailers gave up on technologists because technologists were so consumed with uh, disruption and not working with, but rather working against existing systems and their own agendas, they screwed themselves. And what do I mean by that? What I mean is you cannot sit in your high uh, office and say, let them buy iPads. Walmart is not going yeah, to buy they, an they, iPad. They need a custom. They need they need customization. All right, and when you can see what happened. What happened is the arrogance was I'm not going to dirty my payment system with that ugly Micros or IBM POS system. So buy an iPad or buy another high tech solution, and then you can use our payment system. So what happened is the opportunity of a lifetime to utterly transform payments, even better than what Apple Pay is doing was missed and that's my anger you can hear it it's anger. all right this is great uh oil price let's move on oil price, oil price is now you're getting me angry uh this is this is a we had a great conversation pre-show um in a really healthy debate on what's causing it and what the uh, long-term play is uh faisal what are your what are your takes on on so, the oil price you know it, it, the 40 dollars ceiling or floor as you may call it uh, you know depending sure. for many was the litmus test it has breached that floor it is now at 35 dollars now the question is well you know when it went to 37 38 was you know will it break 35 when it's near 35 will it break 30 it costs money to bring oil up from the ground 
in many countries that Saudis, you know, say it's about eight to ten dollars. But if you account it for the budget and everything else, the number is much higher per barrel. Is it about twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine dollars at this point for most oil producing countries? Pretty much, pretty much. That's yeah. the ballpark figure. So when you had two hundred percent profits, then you saw one hundred percent profits, then you saw fifty percent. Now you're seeing just six percent profits or eight percent profits. Soon enough, countries like Venezuela, Iran, Russia, and many other countries will say, "Oh my God, you know, it's gone below thirty. So the Saudis haven't touched the OPEC cartel has not curtailed the production numbers. That's one. Some facts. So that's one fact. The second fact is oil glut in the market has been the highest. It, we are now in excess of three billion barrels of oil in the market. Fact number two. Fact number three. That we're, that we're using? Three million barrels? Uh, no, excess. Excess in the market. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, number three, the demand for oil has never been more higher than it has been today. And number four, companies left, right, and center who, for, for, for whom the cost is more around the $35, $40 a barrel or $50 a barrel, sometimes even $60 a barrel, i.e. shale and fracking companies in Canada and North America, in America, uh, uh, North America, USA and Canada, are going out of business. And that is what the Saudis would like to see, them go out of business. But then you have countries like Venezuela, you know, shouting and saying, listen, let's just cut the oil supply this is bullshit you know this is this 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 strategy of driving everyone you know it's it's going to kill me fine it's going to kill those guys but that plague is coming here and the saudis are not uh, not doing anything there was a recent uh, opec meeting and you know uh, the production figures were not uh, revised downwards they were as is even the saudis are now saying listen we are cognizant that oil prices are going to be remain low with all this that's happening in the world, and we are now going to find alternative methods of earning income. They have, the Saudis have actually pulled back their investments from you know the sovereign fund that has made investments in many other um, uh, investment opportunities outside Saudi Arabia. They're pulling that money back. The GCC, which is the Gulf Cooperation uh, countries, for the first time have now unanimously agreed, and they have to agree unanimously on this thing, of introducing a VAT uh, value-added tax for the very first time in, in the Middle East, which is touted as tax-free. There were indirect taxes, but this is the first time that they're now going to be introducing VAT. It won't happen tomorrow. It'll take probably two, maybe three years, but it is something that they are now talking about, and now it is almost inevitable unless oil prices jump back to $140, $120. So I think the... Uh, the, it, it, there's a very uneasy calm. The Federal Reserve is probably going to raise the interest rates, which is the FMOC uh, committee that's going to be happening in, I guess, next week. Uh, yeah, next week. Uh, and the the oil glut is not going away anytime soon. I mean, three billion barrels of excess oil is there in the market. There are companies that are still drilling in Canada and North America, shale and fracking, they have excess oil. They need to sell it out because they need they need some cents on the dollar rather than no cents on the dollar. So well, the, why does their why does their reserve matter on the price? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't these companies or countries even keep the reserve private and then they artificially can you well, know sell off hard sold, right? So people are holding on. You know, uh, airline companies hedge oil and shipping companies hedge oil. So there's a lot of oil that's just sitting in tanks. It's just sitting in tanks. Someone owns them. And then what do you do with that? So, I, okay, I'm not going to sell it now because I got this oil at $56 you know, dollars a barrel. But and, oh, so they don't want to sell it and take the loss on it? No, why not? Why should they? Why would they? 
So, Faisal, do you think that this is part of a a longer-term financial narrative or a political narrative or a combination of both? I mean, do you think there's uh, some politics involved in this? Absolutely. I think there's politics. I think there's (laughs) revenge politics involved in it, if you will. And I think it's, <laughs> it, it, I think it's also something like the Nash equilibrium coming into play. Well, you, you know exactly. I was gonna. Uh, it was right with that because basically, if you look at in the United States, how in the last ten years the uh, fracking and uh, oil sands in Canada, mm. et cetera, mm. has neutralized because when petroleum was at X. Uh, it became highly profitable for these companies to continue to uh, search out these new uh, discoveries. I mean, some of them have been known about for uh, generations, but yeah, but there's a cost uh, they to it. You know, Brian, possible. that's the thing. Oh yeah, it, it costs seventy five dollars, and it, it was great when oil or a hundred or a hundred or a hundred, right? To get out. But at, at one hundred and twenty, hundred and forty bucks, it was great. But I know so many people who are in the oil and gas supply business, you know, providing rigs and providing ancillary services, who are now out of business. Why? Because the, the exploration companies themselves are out of business. People went but, and you bought, know, way- you know, uh, trailer towns were set up suddenly, you know, around uh, the hotspots in uh, where the tar sands are in Canada and, and even in Dakotas and Minnesota. Uh, uh, but uh, now it's all gone. I digress a bit here, but I see natural resources as a long-term money in the bank investment. One of the actually one of the best investments I've made in a very long. This is you know almost thirty years, forty years actually. When you really look at it, uh, was in a, essentially a company called uh, Rainier and um, and a few of these other companies that were involved in harvesting uh, incredibly well and rebuilding uh, trees. And uh, they're the largest holders of trees in Plum Creek and but, Rainier, you know, look at, largest holders of trees in the country. Look at the uh, numbers for the power wall, you know, production sold off for 2016. Then you're seeing yeah. news coming up every time. Morocco is now slated to be the country which is going to have the largest solar array uh, deployment in the world. Right now, the country happens to be Germany. Number two is China. Number three is United States. Solar power is going to be, and it's coming down so fast. And then the translucent and, and the transparent solar power cell has come out. So buildings will now be having all these things going up. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. So, you know, uh, and, and then the electric car, right? So Tesla has made all these changes and BMW is coming up with one. And for God's sake, who else? Aston Martin is coming out with an electric car, right? Yeah. I mean, so- Mr. Bond will be really, uh, I don't know. Uh, Maybe or, impressed by it. But Maybe a, a green Bond. Yeah, but one, one could argue one could argue that we're going to see a, a a peak in our lifetime of petroleum usage to build these things, and then of course it'll taper off in the long tail. I think everyone, but I think we're talking two or three generations yeah, before that. Know, get that when, when it was one hundred and forty dollars, no one saw it coming down to thirty five. No one. They said, and you know, no everyone said, you know, the days of the $50, $50 oil thing are over. And, and How is this so unpredictable? It's, it's mind-blowing to me that because it, because it is so. all, all values are psychology. All values it is, are psychology. It is. And I agree with Brian. The cost of thing. bread was, was, was six cents, uh, you know, just 35 years ago for, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know so, sorry, six, uh, 16 cents for a, a loaf of you know, bread. You know, and you look at it now, it's, it, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous. You know, you know Mike, someone's so, bought, someone bought a million barrel. They haven't sold it. They haven't sent to refining because the price is just slightly dip. He's just making, he's just waiting for it to go slightly up. 
the price goes down two dollars he's also bought three other million you know three million barrels more and the price is going so he's holding on he says oh it'll improve this is just temporary this is temporary and then everyone started doing the same thing and the next thing you know when they did a count of how much oil is in the market there was excess oil and when that number got published prices fell further <coughs> and further wow. and further. you know who got hurt you know, got hurt is people are buying futures, and those are airline companies. Airline companies were doing the best they could to marginalize the increase in uh, petroleum costs. So those futures are now causing them to have great pain because they have. So is, are oil they hedging now? Are airlines and, and everyone else buying? Yeah, they're buying. Uh, well, you know, so, I mean, I I, tra- I travel, so I, let me tell you, tickets have never been more higher on Emirates and Etihad and Singapore and Turkish airlines than ever before. The, the, that oil thing where they keep saying, well, you know, 90% is the cost of oil and all that bloody bullshit. It hasn't come down. Prices are still up there. I, but then I guess that's the cost of financing aircrafts and the depreciation of the dollar versus whatever currency you were working with. But the oil uh, drill down effects have not come so much into the airline industry as much as they have come to your petrol pump, to your gas station, right? To your, the current account deficits that Countries that used to be net importers of oil, uh, you know, and they had to pay because you have to pay U.S. dollars. Their current account deficits have gone down. India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, uh, the entire GCC. These are all countries that I can name that are net importers of oil. Um, So it has helped. The lower price has helped. But then these countries who depend on oil as being the revenue source, it's a double-edged sword for them, you know. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, it's really interesting. So basically, if you're a consumer, you'd buy. You suggest people buy now. It seems like that would be the obvious. What, oil, oil stocks or oil uh, futures? St- well, stocks. I don't know. Well, no one yeah, knows. You know, I, I would be long oil. Um, How you could know, you say it doesn't go back up, though? It's I mean, going to go back it, up. It's almost it's maybe not as high as 150 bucks a barrel. But political turmoil, uh, we can pretty much guarantee in the next three years, especially in an election year, there's always that some international. That drives oil through the sky. And in the parts of the world where oil is produced primarily, uh, there's a lot of political unrest. So I think if you're going to look through that lens, there's mm, a possibility. True. You know, it's long term, of course. At some point, everything's going to be, uh, you know, uh, solar or um, other forms. I happen to believe the other forms of energy ultimately will uh, wind up. Hopefully. Well, uh, another uh, topic that's that's really remarkable, in my opinion, is the news of Satoshi. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Brian, you'd probably be the best one to give your initial thoughts. No, no, no. no, no, no. Brian, you seem to know uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. So what's your take on it? Yes or no? Brian personally. Will the real Satoshi Nakamoto please stand up? Look, Brian can tell us who the real Satoshi was, but now that the news is released, he's free to disclose. Yeah, well, I I don't – I got to be real frank. I don't know. I, I would say it's probably an elf somewhere, but no, I, I don't believe that there is a real Satoshi. I think it's a. Who uh, wrote the article then? Who, who did? Uh, I, I think it was a group a couple, of individuals. A couple of people. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I believe it was like-minded individuals. You got to remember, uh, David Chum really invented this idea of uh, of payments and encryption. He was uh, a very interesting figure in the. Um, uh, early internet uh, for creating online payment systems. And there were a lot of failures, but good failures that came from that. And there were a lot of startups that were trying to do this. I work with a company called First Virtual down in San Diego 
that was really the square of its epoch. I mean, they went public. The uh, CEO was on simultaneously cover of Time and Newsweek and Business Week, uh, the first for that particular moment. Uh, he was the Jack Dorsey of that, uh, that epoch, and people forget how quickly uh, these things can change. They were slated to become the payment vehicle of the Internet. They're no longer. But they learned a whole lot about payments, and I'm not saying this is related. But in, in that epoch, we, we discovered that a lot of the things us nerds come up with are really not very useful for the average citizen. And uh, there are also political uh, things that take place and uh, regulatory things that take place that are probably not very useful. Um, and so what takes place is we have this sort of study. Um, if you're really smart, you kind of study the market and you say, what can we do? to mitigate the political and, uh, and regulatory problem. Well, we'll make it anonymous. We'll make it completely unattached to any individual. So look what's going on. They raided this guy's house, right? So is he or is he not? The thing is, why they raided him was probably something tangentially related. But the anger that is you know, coming up because of uh, this form of payment is surfacing pretty quickly. And there's... I pretty much say that any country around the world that had its citizen being a uh, uh, Satoshi would probably do something similar. The guy would certainly be uh, sequestered and questioned. Why did you do it? Where is that million dollar right, right. million uh, block uh, chain uh, reward that you have? And what are you going to do with it? And did you create a did you create a pyramid system, sir? And um, what are we going to do with you now that you created this pyramid system? I mean. Listen, you can paint a lot of new technologists into a corner. You could have done it. But certainly, if, if the political winds were against Edison, he could have mm. been in jail. Especially in the early days because there's so many different ways to interpret something that just hasn't fully blossomed and proven its value. Listen, most new technologies can be used for ill things. All right, The unleashing of the atom could be used to save humanity or can destroy humanity. This has been around since the beginning of humanity, right? So if you look at fire, the man who invented fire probably got burned with it, you know? So you start moving into the future with payments. The very first thing, the knee-jerk reaction is always going to be, you did something outside of the regulatory environment, therefore you must be a bad actor. Now, I'm not here to support Satoshi or, to, you know, delete him. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm here just saying that is the way it is. Uh, I wish I knew the guy, or if there was a guy, I wish I knew the group of individuals. I probably ran into him, but I was not part of the crypto punk movement, which kind of sprung this up. And not that there were kids. There were, it was this, this idea that cryptology is... Uh, a way to save humanity. And in some ways it is, in some ways it isn't. Because just like any tool, it can be used for good and evil. Um, so mm -hmm. that's one of the premises I think we keep forgetting about this uh, we're in the world, the Satoshi uh, contest, is that, you know, we want to dig deep about the volitions and the motivations behind why this was created. And it may just well have been an experiment gone awry. It, you know, it may not have been planned to take over the world or even go as far as it has at this point. Um, and by finding an individual and dunning them with stuff is sort of like finding the guy that unleashed the atom and holding them accountable for it. Right, right, right. Right? It, yeah, mean, yeah, That's it is. the problem. And I got to tell you, what we're doing with this precedence is that we're taking people who are highly creative, 
uh, in science and in technology. And we're saying, watch out. Watch out because if you create something that has unintended circumstances, people might want to hold you accountable for that. And for generations, we didn't do that. And if you look at, uh, well, if you look at what happened when the first atomic bomb exploded, all the scientists that are around that really felt, um, I could tell you, Einstein said he personally felt blood on his hands. Now, they're not making a political statement about whether or whether or not we should have dropped uh, a bomb, the United States dropped a bomb on, on Japan as a warring uh, uh, act of war and that they did to us. But what they understood is the genie was out of the bottle and they thought within their understanding of game theory at that moment in time, which is a much more evolved thinking now, certainly, uh, they thought that, you know, basically if everybody got the bomb, nobody would use it. Well, that's assuming certain things. That's assuming the past will continue, the recent past will continue on the way it did. Well, what they failed to really take into account, and it's not a put down of their thinking, incredibly wise individuals, they failed to see that it is the outlier that really causes the problem with these assumptions. And the outlier would be what if somebody who had a different set of agendas got access to right, weapons? Right, right. And, and he put it in a suitcase and he brought it into a city and he didn't care. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a lighter note, they uh, on, <laughs> oh, on the, in Southern California, <laughs> they, uh, they, they questioned, they uh, broke down this guy's door. His name was Dorian Satoshi Nakamoto. Oh <clears throat> and they basically kicked his door down and said, are you the real Satoshi? <laughs> and uh, he said, no, I just learned a Bitcoin a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was the and, Newsweek article, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But look at what we did. Listen, in in our desire to make uh, these instant Andy Warhol 15-minute heroes in our culture and then destroy them unilaterally, I mean, look at what we've brought upon this individual because of our, wow, let's look at this car crash accident scene. We are all participants, me, everybody. We have become voyeurs of people's lives on the social platforms that we've created and we destroy individuals and we don't have a thought we move on to something else and that guy's life is destroyed yeah Faisal what are your takes do you you, I mean do you think it's much of a a deal here or do you think this is kind of to me it really doesn't matter uh, who made it the only thing I'm concerned about is how some governments or regulatory entities may may want to make a case on this and you know may may want to make a example set an example of yes don't Mm. do this this is not right you're interfering in how we make money in our fiat system and so forth that just may be one of the weird outcomes of this all but it really doesn't matter who the person is i wonder i wonder if it's i wonder if it's dictated by the country that this person lives you know so basically Uh, in australia i mean you know know, for example if this person was in bangladesh you know he could be facing the death penalty because it's a serious crime over there you know or or say on the other side what if he was in sweden and they totally allowed any development basically could encourage that or yes and no mike what we're dealing with is something very touchy the monetary system of uh, organized governments. And the one thing that I think we can see is that when we put a group of um, regulators, um, some might call them bureaucrats together, trying to protect the the status quo of their monetary system, they become very sensitive and they become unilateral. People who have otherwise uh, may uh, be at war with each other will come to the common ground that our monetary system is, uh, is, is holy ground. So, 
to actually get involved in that in this epoch, you can have the entirety of the world, uh, you know, coming at you. Hmm, so yeah, you got to really be really careful. I we, mean, do you see it as a problem? I, I kind of agree with Faisal here that it's 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 not. This is not particularly a big deal, but I think how they handle it will be. Uh, and I think what will happen is it will end up being a, uh, a, a, a proliferation of technologies developed, particularly cryptocurrencies in some hotspots throughout the world, almost like uh, you know, genetic testing where it's a really touchy subject, but places you know, allow it. And the, that's where people are going to go. Yeah, to you know, me, they're going to literally. He's like Linus Trovalds, right? The guy who made Linux. Exactly. Linus was involved. He is not. So it really doesn't matter. Yeah, or he was like Notch uh, building Minecraft. I mean, you know, you you you, you, no, well, you, well, you well, give birth to something. So you give birth to something. You don't know what people are going to do with it. That's the beauty of humanity, you know. Yeah. And uh, so Brian, if we if we stifle that, Brian, uh, we, it's not have, a good thing. we have had a pretty long pre-show, which basically means we have to end <laughs> now. So you have to grab your ukulele or whatever it is you have, and maybe give us an ending uh, tune. Oh, okay, let me see what I can drum up here. I'll, I'll, I'll do the same theme, but I'll do it in a different tone. Faisal, do you want to sing? Around the coin. <laughs> it's been a great show, everyone. <laughs> Until next time. We'll Take care. You. Have Take a great day, guys. You too, guys. Wonderful Have a good one. Bye-bye. 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 Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.